Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Well, today our headline is Jesus suffers and dies. And so we're beginning to see, we've been in Passion Week for a little bit now, but now what we're beginning to see is, is, is the suffering of Jesus actually starting to happen. So last week in Mark chapter 14, Jesus is rejected, Jesus is arrested, and he's taken into the arms of the authorities. And I want to talk today about five points of suffering that Jesus faced. Five points of suffering that Jesus faced. And the first point of suffering is this, is that he was bound. He was arrested, unjustly imprisoned for crimes, treated like a criminal. This God, the Son of God, the pure one, treated like a criminal. It says this, Mark 15 starts off our chapter today. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus. They bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Are you who you've declared that you are? Who you, are you who the people are saying you are, that you're actually the king of the Jews? And he answered, you have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. And Pilate asked him again, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. See if all the things, all the accusations they made, but Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. And so here they are accusing him of other things, and then the only thing that Jesus gives them an answer to is that, yes, I am the king. I am the king of the Jews. And I love how first Peter talks about how, how that Jesus did not retaliate. He didn't try to get out of it. He knew that he was bound. The second thing that we see with Jesus is that he was rejected. Now, in the last chapter, we see that Jesus is rejected by some of his closest friends, some of his followers. He's, he's, he's rejected by Judas, we know, but he's also rejected by one of those that is closest to him, Peter. Peter actually denies Jesus three times, and now Jesus is being rejected even further. Verse 12, and Pilate asked and said to them, what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released from them Barabbas. And having scourged or flogged Jesus, he delivered him over to be crucified. So here we see Jesus is bound, and now Jesus is rejected. The third thing that happens, the, the, the third point of suffering is that Jesus was mocked. So here's Jesus being hand over, to be, be, being flogged, being, being battered with a cat of nine tails, a whip that was digging in with, with, with pieces of bone and pieces of glass, ripping open his back, exposing potentially organs Here he is, beaten, suffering, and to add insult, literally insult to injury, everybody start, starts mocking Jesus. The public, the Jewish 
uh, public, the, the Jerusalem, uh, the chief priests, the scribes, even those that he's helped at many times. Any, many of those that were saying, oh, here he comes. Here's, here's the king. The king is here. Many of them now are mocking him as he's suffering, as he's bleeding, as he could potentially bleed out. In fact, he, he, they, they, they limited it at 40 lashes because if they went over 40 lashes, a person could die just from the flogging, the scourging. But to add insult to injury, they continually mock him. Verse 16, they called together a whole battalion. Now, I I looked up that word battalion. I thought, well, you know, normally in the movies and stuff, we see like two or three soldiers. But a whole battalion could actually be up to 600 soldiers were there mocking Jesus. Can you imagine the suffering he's going through? He's dehydrated. He's wore out from these exhausting accusations. He's there. He's suffering. And then come the insults. They clothe him with a purple cloak. So you're the king. Let's put a royal garb on you. And twisting together a crown of thorns. Let's put a crown on you. And they began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews. Again, just using what Jesus said against him. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him naked for public shame. And then they put his own clothes back on him and they led him away to crucify him. So we see here that Jesus is bound. Jesus is rejected. Jesus is mocked. And number four, Jesus is condemned. So typically in those days, the the scourging would be enough punishment in its own. Typically weren't people weren't scourged and then crucified. Typically they were only crucified or only scourged and scourged and released. And crucifixion would be the death penalty. And so here's Jesus going through all the suffering, one for wholeness, the other for forgiveness. Jesus gets both. He's condemned. Verse 24 and they crucified him, dividing his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge read against him read, the king of the Jews. The king of the Jews. Little did they know he was the king of the universe. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus, the pure one, hanging in death before two criminals. He was condemned. And the fifth thing that Jesus experiences in his suffering is he feels abandoned. Abandoned. Have you ever been rejected? Have you ever been abandoned? Have you ever been left for dead? Those that said they would be there till the end, where are they? Jesus was experiencing the abandonment, not just of the disciples. Check this out. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And in that ninth hour, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama, Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus, in this moment, feeling the weight of sin, feeling the weight of sinners, feeling the weight of everyone rejecting him, he feels like God has forsaken him. He feels like even his own father has forsaken him. Because of the suffering that he is experiencing, he feels forsaken One of the most brutal emotions that we can go through, betrayal, abandonment. 
Jesus is experiencing it all on the cross that day. Those five things he's experiencing. He's bound. He's rejected. He's mocked. He's condemned. And he feels abandoned. So how is this suffering good, good news? Because when we, when we look at this story, we say, well, this isn't good news. This is bad news. I mean, Jesus is dying. This, is not, this isn't good for his followers. This is bad news. No, no, no. Listen, his suffering is good, good news. It is the gospel. What we're seeing here is the gospel in blood, sweat, and tears. We're seeing it. See, because he was bound, we can experience freedom. And because he was rejected, we can experience acceptance. And because he was mocked, we can be affirmed. See, the the result of mocking is shame. I mean, that is the whole point of mocking is to make someone feel small. And here is Jesus, the greatest of all, being ridiculed and mocked. But we can be affirmed. See, the antidote for shame is affirmation. We know this. We know this. We, we, we know that when we feel shamed, we need to feel accepted. We need to be affirmed. I love James 1.18. It says, he chose to give birth to us. He chose. He decided. He picked. And out of all creation, we have become his most prized possessions. We're treasured by the Lord. Because of his mocking, because of his rejection, because of the shame he experienced, we can find affirmation. And because he was condemned, we can be saved. Because he was condemned, we can be saved. Verse 31, the chief priest and the scribes mocked him to one another, saying he saved his others. He cannot save himself. He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of the the king of Israel, the king of Jews, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Again, mocking him. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. So here are all these people saying, here's this man that's been going around performing miracles, the all-powerful one, the Messiah. Here he is on the cross. He saved others. He can't save himself. He can't come down from the cross. See, he could have come down to save himself. Instead, he remained on the cross to save us, to save you. He remained on the cross. He endured the suffering. He despised the shame to save us, making salvation available to those on his right, those on his left, those at the foot of the cross, those gambling at his feet, those rejoicing at his death. Those who stuck around, those who rejected him for Pilate, for the chief priests, for the rulers of the law, for the soldiers, those that are crucifying Jesus remained on the cross to rescue them. He endured to save you. He endured to save me. Jesus endured. He was condemned so we could be saved. We love John 3.16. I love it. Such a, such a good verse. We say, oh, that's the verse. It's kind of like, a, it's kind of like the, the elementary verse for the, for the gospel, right, for the kingdom. We're like, everybody knows John 3.16. So what happens sometimes is we forget how powerful that verse is because in that verse is the gospel. For God, G, so loved the world that he gave his, oh, only, S, son. God so 
gospel, G-O-S. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have e eternal L life. That is the gospel. The gospel is that God gave Jesus so we could experience eternal life with him. Jesus endured so that we could be saved. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to, to point at us and tell us how screwed up we are. He came to look at us and say, I've got a solution. You know pretty well how screwed up you are. I've got a solution for that. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Or Jason Upton one time say, he didn't come in, come to the world to condemn the world, but to claim it. But in order that the world might be saved through him, he didn't come off the cross to save himself. He remained to save us. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of God's only son, the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall experience eternal, but not perish, but experience eternal life. We're saved. We're saved from hell. We're saved from judgment. We're saved from our sins. We're saved from ourselves. The mess that we often get ourselves in, Jesus provided a way out of that mess. And we call that the atonement. That Jesus, who never sinned, 2 Corinthians 5.21, made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering of sin for us that we could be made right with God. Jesus took on the nature of sinners so that we could take on the nature of God's righteousness. We are as righteous as God is because Jesus became sin for us. We call this the atonement at one moment. At one moment, Jesus became sin that we could become righteous. So he was condemned. So because he was bound, we can experience freedom. Because he was rejected, we can experience acceptance. Because he was mocked, we are affirmed. Because he was condemned, we can be saved. And because he experienced abandonment, we have access. So here's Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wasn't turning. His, the father wasn't turning his back on the, the son. He was turning from sin. See, Jesus felt the full weight of separation. He felt the full weight of separation. So we have this illustration built right in here in Mark 15 with this image called the veil, the temple veil, this, this curtain that was extremely thick that was meant to separate people from God. That's really what it was there for because you had to be righteous. You had to go through religious duty to get into the presence of God. And if you didn't, if you weren't clean, if everything wasn't just right, you went into the presence of God and you died. And so Jesus, experiencing this feeling of separation, of abandonment, and it says this in, in verse 37, that Jesus uttered a loud cry, uttered a loud cry, and breathed his last, and the curtain of the temple was torn. So Jesus, experiencing abandonment, says, you know what? Because of my abandonment, I'm going to provide access. And when he dies, the temple was torn too, and not from the bottom to the top, like a man did it, but from the top the bottom like God did. He initiated 
the rip from heaven when Jesus said, I feel abandoned. God says, I will give you access. Come on in. There's no more separation. There's no, nothing in between us any longer. I have provided a way for not just the priesthood to come in, but so that you and I could come into the presence of God and experience the fullness of His grace. What was denied because of sin is now made available because of Christ. Tucked away in the middle of the stories, there's this, this character. There's several characters uh, in this chapter. I would encourage you this week to go and just kind of look at the characters that we don't see up until this chapter, and they're only in this chapter. And one of them is this guy named Barabbas. And Barabbas was a was a was a mobster. He was he was a leader of a rebellion, and he was actually on trial for murder. And so when Jesus is 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 there before Pilate, they actually bring Barabbas up. Because it was custom to release somebody. And so here's Jesus, an innocent one. Here's Barabbas, this dirty, filthy guy who's been leading rebellions, who's arrested for all the right reasons. Jesus is arrested for all the wrong reasons. Jesus is innocent. Barabbas is guilty. And then Pilate brings him up before the crowds. He says, which one do you want me to release? It's the custom to release somebody. Who do you want to release? And the crowds cry to, to, for the release of Barabbas. Release Barabbas, but crucify Jesus. Who do you want to be free? I love it because Barabbas is you. He's me. He's, he's the guilty one. He's the guilty one. And I love how God decides in this story to put a guilty one there. And the guilty one is pardoned. And the innocent one is crucified. This is the gospel. See, you and I deserve the fruit of our labor, the sin that we've committed. We deserve the punishment for our own sins. And so the Father looks at us and says, I release you because Jesus was bound and because Jesus was mocked, because Jesus was punished. See, on the cross, Jesus was treated like Barabbas so that you and I could be treated like Jesus. He's a picture of God's goodness. He's a picture of that good good news, released from bondage, released from shame, released from the condemnation that we actually deserved. The Lord says freedom, freedom. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for looking at our lives and seeing us worthy of Jesus. Not deserving, but worthy. You saw us as a people that you love. We're so grateful that you loved us. That you sent Jesus to take on our sin. To take on our shame. To take on our bondage. To take on our sickness to take on our lack 
We thank you, Jesus, that you became sin for us. You didn't deserve that. We deserved it. But you took it for us. You carried our sorrows. Lord, we thank you for your wholeness. We thank you for your grace. If you're watching today and, and you're bound and you're experience rejection, I want to encourage you today that there is an offering for you. There is an offering for you. Someone has bared the punishment for you. And I want you today, wherever you're seated, wherever you're watching today, I want you to take those things that you're carrying, maybe the sin that you've committed that you know you're guilty of. Maybe it's, it's the wounds that you've been walking around with that you just can't get victory over. Maybe you're in bondage and in addiction. I just want you right now in this moment just to say, Lord, here it is. I know you paid for it, so I yield it to you today. Jesus. Listen, if you've made a decision, then let us know. Let us know that, hey, I, I prayed with you today. I'm, 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 I'm yielding my life to the Lord. Wherever you're at in that, please let us know. We want to minister to you personally, not just, not just through the room or through the, through the, uh, through the airwaves. We want to, we want to make sure that we're ministering to you personally. So reach out. We would love to, to, to meet needs and encourage you during this time. This is what I want you to do, do this week. I want you to take some time. I want, I want you to go through Mark chapter 15. Just get in there. Dig into Mark chapter 15. Just spend the whole week there. There's a lot there. Just, just eat the scriptures. What I want you to do is I want you to take a little bit of time this week to just have personal communion. We were going to do cor corporate communion today. But I want you to do personal communion. Maybe, maybe when you break out the, the, the book of Mark this week in Mark chapter 14 and, or 15 and you get in there and you, and you open it up in the morning, just grab you a little cracker, a, you know, a piece of Captain Crunch and a little bit of milk or maybe something and just anything you can get a hold of and just say, Lord, I remember your body that was broken for me. I remember what you went through. I remember your blood that was shed. Would you just spend some time this week thinking about the cross. Next week, we're going to talk about the resurrection.